Please be advised, nothing in this podcast should be taken as therapy, medical care, or mental health care advice. Topics discussed by the host and guests reflect their own personal experiences and are not intended to replace the services of medical or mental health professionals. And please know, if you are having any thoughts of self-harm or taking your own life, please call or text 988. Help is available 24-7. No matter what, in this journey of life, we all have something. Something we're going through, something we've been through, or maybe something we're proud of, something we're grateful for. I'm Rick Schwartz, life coach, public speaker, and all-around curious guy. And my life and my curiosity and the lives of the many people I have worked with have taught me time and time again, there are challenges to overcome and there are successes to celebrate. And honestly, neither one of them are permanent. You're listening to We All Have Something, a podcast about the human experience, about embracing what we have been through, where we are, and where we want to go. A podcast about celebrating our authentic self. And I am so glad you're here with me because we're going to laugh together, we're going to cry, and in the end, we will be the better for it. So let's get started. Welcome to episode five of We All Have Something. Now, for this episode, to kick it off, I want you to kind of take a moment and imagine you're starting a new job. You know, it's your first day, maybe in a new position you've been promoted to, or maybe you've been assigned finally this big project that you've always wanted to be a part of. You know, you get to spearhead kind of your own thing within this, this organization you work for. And then it hits you that feeling that someone's going to figure out that maybe you don't belong. Maybe you're a fraud or that you're not worthy of that position or that project that you now have. Or maybe, just maybe now in this more entrepreneurial type of life that we all seem to be living, just maybe you've started your own project, your own side hustle. And as you get into it, you hear yourself saying, what are you doing? I, I don't know what I'm doing. You, you look around and you see other people who are doing something similar and you it just, you know, you kind of feel like they clearly are real people doing this, and I'm kind of just pretending. You wake up in the middle of the night with that nagging feeling that you don't know what you're doing. If any of this sounds familiar or some version of it, don't worry, you're in good company. Uh, Many studies have been done on this, and it shows that over 70% of Americans experience this. In fact, even even well-known people, I mean, Albert Einstein has been quoted as saying, that in fact, on more than one occasion, he's been quoted as saying that he he believed that he's just an involuntary swindler, that he just does these equations, figures these things out, but he's not trying to prove anything necessarily, not trying to be this big shot. And he believed that he wasn't worthy of all the attention that his work was receiving. I mean, come on, Albert Einstein. And here's another one. I love this story. It's, you know, I mean, it's just, it's really something. The author Neil Gilman, he's written countless books, um, plays, movies, done television scripts. He, he had recalled this story once in an interview he was doing. He said, some years ago, this is actually taken from the interview. Some years ago, I was lucky enough to be invited to a gathering of great and good people, artists and scientists, writers and discoverer of many things. Standing in the back of the hall, I started talking with a very nice, polite, elderly gentleman about several things, including the fact that on our name tags, we had the same first name. And then he pointed out to the hall of people. And he said in the words something like, 
I just look at all these people and I think, what the heck am I doing here? They've made these big, amazing things and done so much, and I just went where I was sent. Yes, even Neil Armstrong, first man on the moon, felt like an imposter in a room full of good and great people being recognized for their work. And then even my favorite poet, Maya Angelou, writer of over 13 books, winning countless awards, was quoted after winning one of those many awards. She said, I've run a good game on everyone, and they're going to find me out eventually. In other words, meaning that, that she truly believed that she wasn't worthy of those awards and the, of the accolades of all of her accomplishments. Can you imagine accomplishing what Maya Angelou, Albert Einstein, or Neil Armstrong did? Heck, even half of what they've accomplished and still feel like a fraud? Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, I'm going to tell you this episode is about imposter syndrome and its effect that it has on many people and why those of us that have to deal with it sometimes feel like we're the only one. So what is it? Why do so many of us feel like either we have not earned our accomplishments or that our ideas aren't worthy of becoming realities, or that the skills we have are so much, quote-unquote, less than compared to others. We call this imposter syndrome, but in clinical studies, it's known as imposter phenomenon and sometimes imposter experience, or the imposter experience. Now, interestingly enough, psychologists Dr. Pauline Rose Clancy and Dr. Suzanne Imes they did a study first just with some undergrad students they were working with, and they, they thought maybe it was just more of that experience of coming out of that high school experience, going into college, and feeling like maybe you don't belong at that college, you're not good enough. The results came back pretty powerful, so they expanded their study to include more students than just those that were the undergrads, and also including faculty. It spanned different age groups, genders, and races to try and see if it was just specific to the, the students or, or just what. Interestingly enough, it found that feelings of being a fraud was quite common it was common over not just the time and experience of the students, but also the faculty. More studies beyond that have shown that it's common across all age groups, genders, and races, and occupations. However, definitely worth noting, uh, it did show up to be more prevalent and disproportionate in minority groups and underrepresented or disadvantaged groups. Now, interestingly enough, also, these studies did show that it is not tied to self-esteem. So for those of you who are like, oh, it's lack of self-esteem on my part or whatever it may be, no, it's not tied to that. Uh, the studies have shown that highly skilled individuals tend to believe others are just as skilled. So you may have someone who's a high performer or getting high grades or incredibly skilled at what they do. They truly believe that others are just as skilled as they are, that they aren't anything special and perhaps even more skilled than they are causing them to feel they do not deserve the acknowledgments or the accolades for their work. Very interesting now is that perspective, the self-perspective is what we're kind of peeling back and looking at here, and it has nothing to do with the reality so much as how the world around them is perceived. And worth noting too, this is not restricted to highly skilled people only. They went all over the place for the different studies I was looking on this, and highly skilled people are definitely brought into the study to see where maybe there were some boundaries or ceilings on this happening, but it's across the board. Another part of this now, we're we kind of jumping into another section here. This, this next thing I'm going to talk about is known as the pluralistic ignorance. It is where each of us doubt ourselves privately 
but believe we're alone in thinking that way because no one else voices their own doubts. Nobody really likes to talk about the doubts they have in their work or their abilities. And so because it's not discussed, when we have those thoughts, we think we are completely alone in that line of thinking. And that becomes a very powerful pit to fall into. What I mean by that is in any situation, when we are working with people, we're talking about whether ourselves or anybody else, the idea of feeling alone as we're going through a situation, we tend to want to not share it. We don't want to talk about it. And we fall further inward into that pit. And it's damaging because then when there are no discussions, we feel very alone in this way of thinking. And we're embarrassed then to share it or talk about it. Whereas, you know, and this is where support groups come into play for so many things. When you are in a group of people who have had shared experiences, shared thoughts, etc., you don't feel alone. You then have others you can look to on how they've made their way through it or what they've done to get out of it or to move forward from it, whatever it may be. In the case of imposter experience or imposter syndrome, we naturally, due to this pluralistic ignorance, keep it to ourselves and keep it hidden even further, which then in turn makes it worse because then it becomes a sort of vicious cycle. I find that so very interesting because what happens then, these intense feelings of imposterism, and as they grow and expand, they prevent us from taking chances. They prevent us from exploring new careers or, you know, I mean, even getting the nerve up to ask somebody out on a date. You know, you want to have a relationship with somebody, but you have talked yourself out of it because you're not worthy. You're not good enough. What could they possibly see in me? So, you know, this is a lot of this is career and school. These studies are career and school sort of centric, but it goes into so many other parts of our life when this you know, pluralistic ignorance kicks in and this imposterism then just gets larger and larger. Like I was saying, we won't explore new careers. We won't, we won't share our ideas. There are so many people who are terrified in a group meeting at work to share an idea on something because they don't think it's going to be deemed worthy enough and they don't want to just prevent themselves from putting it out there being thought of as an idiot or, you know, having a dumb idea. They just won't do it. And it's, it hobbles them. It's like being, you know, it's really like just, you know, putting tape over your mouth and sitting on your hands only because internally you believe it may not work or that it's bad. There are are even things that you can excel further in life. You want to write that book. You know, you want to, I don't know, whatever it is you want to do in your life that might expand your experience of life. And you won't do it because these imposterism feelings occur. And you might be the one person that's going to expand these ideas or expand this program or change somebody else's life because you're sharing and doing what you're doing, but you choose not to because of this imposterism feeling. And this this takes us into sort of the next step. You know, and before actually I get into that, let's break for a quick commercial here. I'm going to have two commercials this show. I got a new a new uh, a new sponsor, so uh, we'll break real quick for the commercial. I'm going to jump into another sort of opinion I have from just my experience of working with clients uh, on this imposter syndrome. But uh, after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode of We All Have Something is brought to you in part by Get Rid of Negative People. That's right, negative people are like the weeds in your garden. You know what weeds do? Well, one or two of them might sprout up here and there. and You know, you don't think much of it because your garden still looks beautiful, producing fruit and flowers or whatever you might have in your garden. But when left unattended, not only will those weeds grow, they'll steal the nutrients from your flowers or your veggies 
and they start to wilt a little bit. And you know what else weeds do? They tend to attract and create more weeds. Eventually, you look at your garden and you even would agree, it kind of sucks. That's the power of negative people. It does the same thing to your life as weeds do to your garden. So when you see negative people cropping up in your life, make sure you pluck them out and throw them in the green bin so they get taken off to the dump and ground up and put out as compost because that's pretty much all they're good for. Now, I'm not suggesting, of course, that we do that to people because people are people and they're probably negative because they've had something bad go on in their life. But either way, you need to curate and take care of the weeds in your garden and you need to curate and take care of the negative people in your life because all they'll do is bring you down. And once you don't have negative people in your life, guess what? Life looks much more beautiful, just like a garden without weeds. Now, back to your program. been diving into this episode talking about the imposter syndrome, also known as the imposter phenomenon or the imposter experience. And I cited a couple of case studies here about how prevalent it really is. And a lot of it is based in people really expressing they don't feel they're worthy of or that they deserve uh, the accolades they get and that they don't feel that they are special, that those that are, are highly skilled or doing great things look around and they believe everybody else around them has the same set of skills. Just for some reason, they're being acknowledged and they don't know why. In my opinion on this and that, that I've worked with several clients specifically dealing with imposter syndrome and that sort of imposter experience. And I want to preface this, these are not in-depth studies by any means. This is just sort of some case studies myself and working with these different clients. And in my work, I have found that it seems that the part of the equation, part of the equation of the imposter syndrome is the expectation that we put on being in this position or or you know whether you get a position or whether you are promoted a job you have you are now in charge of a project or you're doing a side hustle you're creating something on your own creating your own business and as an entrepreneur there is an expectation i think many of us have that we see somebody in that position or doing that before we get there we assume that person we have observed feels a certain way, or we even ourselves then project, this is how I will feel when I get to this position, when I get to do this certain thing. And as we move forward, we don't feel any different. We still feel like the person we were the day before, the week before, the month before. We don't feel this evolution or the sudden change or the switch. Now that I have this title, now that I'm working on this project, now that I've started this, this thing on my own, we assume that it's going to come with a certain set of feelings that we are now there, we've arrived. In all fairness, there is a certain presentation in which people will present themselves with that that we look up to. We see them on stage or on social media or on TV or, or whatever it may be. But a lot of it also is our own internal projection. We see something that we're like, oh man, if I was like that, if I had that opportunity, this is what it would feel like. It must be so nice to have. It must be so nice to be. And then we get there and we realize we're still us, that all the baggage we have, we brought with us. So therefore, we don't experience what we assumed was going to be a change. And so therefore, we don't feel that we have met that expectation that we we aren't there yet because we aren't living or feeling like we assumed we would and that we're still holding out for that. 
we're still holding out for that feeling to occur, that sensation to occur that it's going to go, oh, and see now, oh yeah, this is exactly what I expected. And so therefore I have arrived. And I think that's part of the problem. That's part of the process. I shouldn't say problem. Part of the process of experiencing this imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon. With everything we've covered then, the next logical step to this conversation is how do we move past this imposterism? How do we grow from it? How do we shed it from our experience and move freely into then doing what we do without this nagging sensation that we don't belong, that we're a fraud, that we're always going to be looking over our shoulder? Well, with some of the studies I was looking up about this, one of the number one things is what we're doing right now. We're talking about it. Interestingly enough, if you go online and start searching imposter syndrome, you're going to find there's a lot of videos and books and talks out there about it. And yet it still seems like something we don't want to discuss. Even I will say, even as a coach, I've had clients, when they bring it up to me, their voice goes down. They're almost like, and I also, I, I kind of feel like I have an issue with imposter syndrome. There's, there's a sense of even bringing it up on a one-on-one -on -one level with a coach that it's they're embarrassed by it. And the reality is the studies show almost everybody experiences this. So the number one way that's been listed for, for dealing with it, to getting past it, is to talk about it. Even when getting positive feedback from a supervisor, boss, or person in leadership position, someone with imposterism won't accept it as the truth. Just the nature of this imposter uh, syndrome, this imposter phenomenon. It's the, it's the nature of being sort of in that mental state where you constantly feel you're not worthy of where you are. The point of, of saying that is that even getting someone who you look up to or someone who's in charge to come to you and say, hey, you're doing awesome. You're kicking butt. You're an all-star. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't shift the brain. The person who's experiencing the imposterism will not accept that and go, oh, well, because this higher up, this person I admire, this person who's great said this to me, it must be true. However, studies have shown that if that same leader or mentor or person who they look up to says, hey, you know what? I've experienced imposterism too, and, and this is where I experienced it. This is how I experienced it. That this won't necessarily change the individual who is dealing with it in the moment, but it does relieve the fears and the sensation that eventually it's all going to come tumbling down. It is that same thing as sort of a support group where you see somebody else who's been through it. You experienced it. I've experienced it. Sometimes I still experience it. And, you know, you're an awesome player in this. Whatever. I see the same things going on. And I want to let you know that we all go through this. So just the idea, that support that you would get from someone acknowledging that this is something we all go through, something we all do, something that we all have, then allows someone to feel not alone, and they can talk more about it with others. Interestingly enough, one of the gentlemen who I was reading his work saying that we need to talk about it more, uh, his name is Lou Solomon, and he is a communications expert and author, former CEO of several companies and a college professor. And he himself, one of his main talks is how he has suffered from imposter syndrome his entire life, and how he has found that the more people he talks to about it, the more people admit to having an issue with it, and more people thank him for discussing it with them. So how do we overcome it? What are the solutions to conquering this, you know, whole <laughs> twisted web of imposter syndrome? Well, you know, imposter syndrome is sort of a, a mixed bag. 
It's a lovely blend of a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of self-doubt, a little bit of fear of failure, and a little bit of perfectionism. You mix that all up into one, and of course, then you come up with the fact that, geez, I'm never going to make this work. I'm not going to do it. Another way to look at it, too, is that because everybody deals with this, and it's always prevalent. You, oh my goodness, this guy, Lou Solomon, he's, his, his, his resume, which I'm sure this is not a full resume, you know, communications expert, author, former CEO of several companies and a college professor, he still deals with it today. This is not something you just get over that you move past. It's something you learn to manage and to accept as part of the process. One of my many favorite authors and speakers on things like this is Mel Robbins. She's the author of a book called The Five-Second Rule, and she's got given some great talks and presentations. And if there's anyone who's lived through imposter syndrome and other issues with depression and anxiety, and then been able to turn around and use it as a learning tool for everybody, it's her. I highly recommend if you haven't uh, you know, found her talks online or, or read her book that you do so. I'm not supported by her or funding, and I'm not, this is just my own personal experience reading her. Her, her content. And hey, if any of those people would like to sponsor my podcast, I'll make room for yet another advertisement, I promise. <laughs> Anyhow, the way she talks about dealing with it, and we recognize that this is something we're always going to have, and we're always going to have to deal with, that the best way with anything when it looks, we look at our behavior and our thought process is to start consciously managing it. And her 54321, her five-second rule is, you know what? I recognize everybody has imposter syndrome. Uh, this is imposter syndrome, excuse me, and it's nothing new. And I'm just as good as anybody else. And I need to start doing it. Five, four, three, two, one. And the idea of her countdown, her five, four, three, two, one, go, is that as you're counting down, if you're counting up, you there's no stopping point. But you five, four, three, two, one. It just forces you that okay, I'm doing this, and you get past that doubt. I shouldn't say past it. You get through it. It's always going to be there. She acknowledges it's always going to be there. But there's no difference in you starting up your own business or wanting to charge more for your services or anything else that you might be having this sort of fear of. Again, being in charge of a project or a new position at work or asking somebody out on a date. The the idea is that it's always going to be there. And so you just need to step into it. You need to own it and do it. Now, that's Mel's take on it, her 54321. Uh, you know, myself working in the ULA principles, we call certain things like imposter syndrome being an, a blocker, something that stands in the way of you achieving the dreams and goals you have for your life. And the way we work through blockers is we have the ready, set, go in this. And it's very much similar, very similar to the 54321. The idea is you have in mind what it is you want to do, and you just do it. Ready, set, go. No looking back. Now, the other exercise that is prevalent with the ULO program that I teach and work with for coaching is you need to visualize your life. You need to sit down and visualize what does my life look like if I don't do this because of fear, if I don't do this because of the imposter syndrome kicking in, if I don't reach for my goals, step into the position I have, own that I'm doing what I'm doing because I am worthy of it and this is what I want to do with my life. What does my life look like if I don't do that because I think someone's going to figure me out, that I'm not good enough, that uh, I'm a fraud, that someone will figure me out, that there are people out there that are better than me so I shouldn't even try. What does your life look like? Will you have regrets? Will you sit there and wonder what it would have been like if you would have tried? Or will you just constantly talk yourself out of it? Versus now visualize the life you want. I want to be this person doing this thing. I want to be an entrepreneur with this business. I want that position. I want to grow within that organization and have this job. I want to have this kind of relationship with family members or with a possible spouse, whatever it may be. 
why would you choose to give into fear? Now, sometimes fear is debilitating. I get it. I totally understand. Sometimes it's what stops us in our tracks. But you have to understand that you have two choices and you need to really paint that picture clearly. And then the other side of it is you don't have to do everything all at once. Start taking steps in the direction to get you there, but really keep your eye on the prize that you are worthy and you can do this and you are good enough. And guess what? If you aren't good enough, if you happen to fail at something, then take the lesson from it and then learn what you need to learn to get past that failure and then keep going forward. And that's really one of the big tricks to dealing with imposter, I shouldn't even say tricks, one of the skills in dealing with imposter syndrome. I'm going to touch on one more thing uh, when I come back from this next break, and uh, we will wrap it up after that. So I'm going to break real quick for our last sponsor of this episode. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Your Choices. Keep in mind, the choices you are making today are creating the life you'll live tomorrow. So choose wisely. Are your choices supporting your dreams and goals? Are your choices setting you up to have a life that you really want to live? Or are you making choices that are just for the moment to make you feel good right now this second and you'll have to deal with the other stuff later? Keep in mind, it is you that'll still have to deal with that other stuff because of the choices you make today. So again, today's episode is brought to you by the choices you are making today because they are creating the life you'll live tomorrow. So choose wisely. Now, back to the show. We are wrapping up this episode on imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon. And I want to leave you with this one last little chunk of how to help manage and deal with it. So you might want to write these down if you're driving. Please don't write them down. Just listen to this again later in the last part of the episode here. But number one, we have learned from looking through all this stuff is break the silence. You've got to talk about this. I don't care if you talk to me as a coach or if you talk to somebody else just in your family, a coworker, a friend, you have to break the silence about imposter syndrome. And don't be surprised that the first time you bring it up with somebody, they're like, oh, no, I've, I've never experienced that. Because sometimes it is so buried deep down inside because people don't want to acknowledge it. They don't remember it when they're asked just cold right off, you know, hey, what do you think about this? Or I've been experiencing this. Have you? A lot of times they will not acknowledge it. And that's okay. That's okay. You still should talk about it. And I really challenge you to bring it up and have that conversation with somebody. The other part of it is separate your feelings from fact. And I know sometimes that can be hard because we're talking about our own perception of the world around us and our perception becomes our reality. So feelings versus fact sometimes can be very hard to separate out. But here's the deal. If we're starting something new, if you're starting something new, look at the reality of it. Everybody else who came before you who's doing it, whether they're musicians, they're artists, they're business people, whatever it may be, they all started off doing it without knowing anything too. You know, another big one is parenting. I've left that out of this whole episode. It just dawned on me. There's parenting. A first-time parent, they read all the books, all the things, and they still, that first time they come home with that child from the hospital or wherever, they don't feel like they're ready for that. They don't feel like they know what they're doing. There's no nurse there to help them tell, tell them what to do. It becomes this, oh my gosh, now what experience? And, you know, there's that we know it's a common thread. You know, the first one, always you're so protective, you do all the things. By the second or third one, you could care less because you know they'll be fine. Because you're an experienced parent, you know what to expect. You're not as, you know, terrified of what's going to happen. So again, try to separate your feelings from fact. What am I experiencing as a knee-jerk response or fear versus what is the reality of what's around me? 
you know, recognize too, there might be times where you should feel fraudulent. There might be times where you are just BSing your way through. And if you're that kind of artful BSer, uh, then maybe if you're feeling the imposter syndrome kicking in, check your BS meter, check what you're doing as far as what you're saying and doing around other people to get yourself moving forward. Are you really learning the steps or are you just trying to BS your way forward? Yeah, and then it's important, too, to develop a healthy response to failure and making mistakes. And I say that as someone who's made so many failures and so many mistakes. But the truth is, every time you make a failure or a mistake, it is simply a stepping stone forward in moving you into the process of success. It's those that look at failure or making mistakes as if it's the end of the world. It's the most horrible thing ever, and I'll never recover from it. So I'm never even going to try again because I failed. There's no lesson learned there. You're simply blocking yourself. So what you need to do is develop that healthy response. Develop the understanding and idea that a failure and a mistake is a learning opportunity that you can then grow from and move forward on and keep working towards your goals. So I would also say, too, it's almost like the 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 final thing here that's going to be the most important thing is visualizing your success. We know from what we've gone through in this episode that you will never get to the point where you do not experience some form of imposter syndrome. Everybody, some of the greatest people that we at least hold on a pedestal as doing these great things that are individuals in their field, they're so good at what they do, and yet they still experience imposter syndrome. So accept the fact that it's a part of how you're going to feel and deal with things moving forward. And then more importantly, even with that little bag of imposter syndrome in tow with all your other baggage, you need to visualize your success. You need to visualize realistically what is it going to look like and feel like. Don't project things onto others that aren't realistic. Acknowledge that those in your field are doing the things you want to do that you're trying to achieve that you feel you're being an imposter doing, that they're people too that they are experiencing imposter syndrome, that they don't feel necessarily all these great things that you're projecting out there. Visualize a true success. What does it look like? I'll have this book published. I'll have this income. I'll have these accolades, but I'm still going to be me. And I'm still going to want to move forward and do other things. Visualize getting these things done. Visualize how it's going to feel and then move into that visualization. You know, that goes into the old, uh, you know, adage of sports medicine. When sports psychologists sit down with these all-star sports players, they're visualizing these moves or these things that they're doing in their sport over and over again because the mind doesn't necessarily discern between what really happened versus a memory of what didn't happen, you know, so you can create memories through visualization. So all these steps are very important. And I really encourage you to really embrace the imposter syndrome as being something that is not just happening to you and not just yours alone, but is actually part of the experience of growth and moving forward into the dreams and life that you want. I hope you found this episode useful. Like I hope you find all the episodes useful, even if it's just a little nugget here and there. Uh, That's going to wrap up though this episode. And I appreciate everyone who has left uh, comments, who have given ratings on your podcast, that you know, player that you listen on. That does make a difference how things are are, uh, shown to other people to find it. I appreciate those who have sent me messages as well and uh, talking about what they have found useful in each episode. Uh, I'm just very flattered that uh, so many people are listening and I can't thank you enough, dear listener. You are. You are making my day, and I know that uh, it's a sort of a symbiotic relationship, right? Uh, I offer up information that you find useful, and you let me know you found it useful. So with that, I'm going to wrap this all up. If you have anything you would like to comment or say, though, 
You can find out how to get a hold of me on my website. It is simply www.coachrickschwartz.com. That's coachrickschwartz.com. Do we even say the W's anymore? Did I just date myself to like, you know, 2010 back there with that? Was that even 20? Not even 2010, probably 2006. Anyhow, coachrickschwartz.com. You can get a hold of me there. You can leave me a message there. You can find my social media there. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you want to connect. As always, you can look below in the show notes of this episode to find all my social media and the website as well. And I look forward to hearing from you, interacting with you, and just, you know, sharing some pretty cool and fun information about being human because that's what it's all about. So with that said, I'm going to say what I always like to say. Have a good one, everybody.